0: So I've had the privilege of working in large companies for most of my career, and at large companies, many of them have something called an intranet, which means it's a place where you go inside the company where you can look about information. Um, so if you look at this, as an example of one of the intranet pages at a company. This is a fictitious company, and at these intranets, on these pages, there's a page for each employee, and they get to put down information about themselves. So you fill it out. You put down maybe some things, projects you've worked on, some roles you had. And well, there's usually a personal section in there that talks about your interests and your hobbies. And in the place where I work, we actually have a section called Places Where I Have Called Home. So where you were born, where you've lived, are all places that we would really define in terms of where we've called home. And today, that's the kind of what we're going to look at in the life of Jesus. Where he was born and where he called home, that defined him. And there were some ideas that God had in mind for him. And they also actually are part of our own story. So I want to take a moment uh, while we're here and find a person nearby to you, if you're not close, if you could find someone nearby. And I'd like you to share with them the place where you were born, just the name, and also share a place of one place that you've called home, preferably one that you've had a memorable experience out of good memory. So the place where you were born, and then a name of that, and then a place where you have lived and enjoyed living there. For those who are not sure where you were born, there is a birth certificate that has the information. (laughs) Those of you online, please find somebody nearby. You're welcome to post a comment in the chat. Okay, that should be pretty quick. One place and two places, okay? You can tell the stories later. Let me bring everybody back in, okay? Let's bring everybody back in. That'd be great. So just the name of the places, okay? But, you know, what, what happened right there, right? It was really hard for us not to tell more about our hometown or about a place that we lived that we really enjoyed. Why is that? Why is our hometown, what, what does it do for us? What's going on inside of our minds, inside of our hearts? Well, The Atlantic posts an interesting article about why we are connected with these places where we've been born and the places where they live. They call it a sense of hometown pride that many of us feel. It turns out that these places where we were born and where we live do matter to us quite a bit. For some of us, we have good memories of these places where we grew up. There's good memories tied to a, maybe a neighborhood, some neighborhood friends, some memorable experiences we had through our school years. Um, So these are memories that ingrain our hometowns in our minds and our hearts. It's in our nature to want to belong. And when we remember these times and these places, remember a sense of belonging that we have with them, places where we've called home. So today we're going to look at Jesus' hometown, that is the town of Bethlehem, and what Jesus being born there meant for him and more importantly what it means for us. We're in the middle of an Advent series, entitled Christmas Foretold, where we're seeing how Jesus fulfilled the prophecies about him, and as a result, brought purpose and meaning to our lives. Pastor Brian started our series in Advent, and he shared about the lies of the serpent and the promise that we had in the Savior as found in Genesis chapter three. We were encouraged to look first to the manger, and then to the cross, and the good news it brings for us, not just at Christmas, but year-round last week my wife phyllis continued our series and shared about the hope of christmas telling the story about the branch of jesse we were encouraged to trust god for greater hopes and to trust him to be at work in our lives as we wait with hope we were excited about the hope fulfilled in the christmas story as well as the anticipation of the hope that we have in the story to come for us in heaven today i'll be sharing the story about jesus coming to bring us significance through looking at the story of him being born in the town of Bethlehem. We will be encouraged to see that Jesus entered the world with humility and how he lived a life of humble service, giving his life for us so we can live with him forever. As a result, we're not going to be able to just survive this holiday season, but my hope is, is that you get encouraged to be able to thrive in it, particularly with all the challenges that it brings. And I really want you to understand, as is often said, really that he is the reason for the season. And then next week, we're really excited to have Scott share with us about the bronze snake in Numbers 21 and how Jesus came to save us. You don't want to miss it. Uh, Each each of these weeks has been encouraging, hasn't it? All the different elements of the service all coming together. So I just want you to turn in your Bibles with me. We're going to look at the prophecy about Jesus' birth found in the book of Micah, chapter 5, verse 2. And we'll have it up here on the screen as well. It says, But you, Bethlehem ephrata though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be the ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. So here, basically, Micah is talking about a coming Messiah. So where do we see this prophecy f- fulfilled? The first place we see it is Matthew chapter 2. Mario read a portion of that. Just in verse 1, it tells us very clearly Jesus was born in the town of Bethlehem. And then we also see, now we're going to turn to Luke chapter 2, if you want to turn there with me as well. We're going to look at verses 1 through 7. It says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quinius was the governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. They went to their hometown. So Joseph also went, was all, went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in manger because there was no guest room available for them. So as we look at these passages, as well as a couple other ones I want to bring to our attention, we want to see basically how Jesus his being prophesied to be born in Bethlehem, how he was born in Bethlehem, and what that means to us here today. So in Luke chapter 2, we see these verses, how Joseph and Mary journeyed to Bethlehem to register for a census. Well, the rationale behind that was is that Joseph belonged to this house and line of David. This is where it was his hometown, and that's what he had to go back to. And these descendants were really his family of origin. It really refers to the very family of David. We take it all the way back. Phyllis talked last week about King David and how he came from Jesse. So David basically came all the way down to Joseph, as we saw in some of the genealogies that Phyllis mentioned, and then we get to Jesus today. So when we look back at this town of Bethlehem, the neat thing is is that the story just didn't even start in the prophecy of Micah, but that God had plans for Bethlehem all the way back to the book of Genesis. So I want to take us back to Genesis chapter 35, verses 16 and 19. We see that rachel who was the wife of the old testament patriarch jacob she was actually born there lived there and died there they buried her right outside of bethlehem this same bethlehem is also mentioned in the old testament in the book of ruth in ruth chapter 4 verse 11 there's a place where ruth met her husband boaz her kingsman's redeemer and that's where they lived together at the end of the book of ruth we actually see this genealogy which traces the family line of boaz all the way up to jesse the father of david And then last week, again, as I mentioned, Phil's talked about these genealogies, how we can take it from David all the way up to Jesus. This Jesse, who was from Bethlehem, as was the king of David. And we see in 1 Samuel 17, 12, it says, now David was the son of an Ephronite named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse had eight sons, and in Saul's time, he was very old. So as David rose to prominence with the defeat of Goliath, his military exports, and then becoming king of Israel, actually, Bethlehem actually began to get a little notoriety. Um, We actually find it fascinating where people are from. And particularly, we kind of like this story, and David's a little bit of this story. Many of us like kind of the small-town kid making it big. And that's really what happened in the life of David. Now we fast-forward some 700 years from the prophecy of Micah to see what we see in Jesus' birth. And we see that the prophet Micah wrote this prophecy about the location of Jesus' birth, and it was really a warning to the people at that time. They were still not yet, they were going to go into captivity, they were going to be taken over, and unfortunately they were going to be worried that they didn't have anybody to look out for them. But what Micah was going to tell them was not only was a Messiah going to come, but the Messiah was going to be the one to protect them and the one to provide for them. And that one day he would restore their homeland back to them, and more importantly, restore their relationship back to God as well. This would take place through the coming of Jesus, who would be born in the town of Bethlehem. Now, Ryan read a little snippet from a verse that I want to expand on and read the whole section, because the Apostle Paul talks about these promises, promises of what's going to happen as it relates to Jesus, and it was from Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, we have it up on the screen, but it says, when the set time had come, fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, and I'll add, born in Bethlehem, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. So we see all the way back in Genesis that God had a plan for Bethlehem, kind of moves forward through the book of Ruth into the prophecy of Micah, and then we have this event where Jesus enters the world, the one that we're very familiar with in the book of Luke. So what does all these things mean? Why is Bethlehem, what does it mean for us? So what I want to do is I want to go back and look at the actual town itself for a few minutes and say I want to share two additional things about this town. The first one is is that the name of the town of Bethlehem actually means House of Bread. Now, those of us who are from the Philadelphia area realize that we think that we have pretty good bread. Yes. So, so why do you think that, that we have good bread? Anybody, any any suggestions? Of what, there's theories on this of why the roles here in this area are very good. The water, the water. yes, the water plays an important role. Water. Okay, the water, that's right. Okay, and it's actually the same was true of Bethlehem. It was situated in a hill country and had fertile soil, good crops, and apparently the water was a key ingredient for its bread. Ironically, the same way we're known for our cheesesteaks and hoagie rolls, their bread was very famous. And so I find it very fascinating that God would choose this place of bread or this house of bread or the town that means house of bread to have Jesus be born there. If you remember, Jesus, in John chapter 5, comes and says that he is the bread of life. So this Jesus to be born in Bethlehem came and was born in this place, and he says, whoever comes to him will never go hungry. But he's not talking about a good cheesesteak, is he? He's talking about that hunger that we feel inside of our souls, inside of our hearts, that abundant life that he has to offer. So our hope and our prayer is today that Bethlehem, I'm not willing, would be a place that you remember where Jesus was born. But if you've been hungering and you've been thirsty, that your spiritual hunger and spiritual thirst would be satisfied today in Jesus. So if you've never done that, we pray that that's our heart's prayer for you today. Cory ten Boom said it very well. She says, if Jesus was born 1,000 times in Bethlehem and not inside of my heart, then I would still be lost. May you be found in him today. The second thing I want to share with you about Bethlehem, it's also one of the places, ironically, where lambs were kept for temple sacrifices. As Ryan read, it was about five miles away from Jerusalem where the temple was, and so it was a good location. There was many fields in the Bethlehem area where they set aside for pastures where they would raise sacrificial lambs that would be used at the temple likely king david himself may have been a shepherd boy in one of these areas where he grew up where he was raising sheep and some of those sheep that he may have been raised may have been brought to the temple the temple sacrifices really meant at that time in the old testament people would do things that were sin against god and they would sacrifice animals to be able to atone for that sin now we see that God also had something in mind when he chose this town, Bethlehem, to have Jesus born in Bethlehem, as Jesus later on in life would be described as the Lamb of God, the one who takes away the sins of the world, our sins. And what is sin? It's kind of a, more of a topic that you sometimes hear more in a religious context. But sin is very clearly just missing the mark in the things that we think, the things that we say, and the things that we do. Missing the mark in two ways. Are the things that I choose to do Choose to think, choose to say that I know are wrong, or things that I know are right, but I choose not to think about them, not to say them, or not to do them. So sometimes we hear of sin of commission, sin of omission. At the end of the day, these are things that I know that my Heavenly Father wants me to think, say, or do, or not do, and I just don't care, and I do it whatever I want to do. And what happens when somebody kind of disregards a parent? If you have a parent and you disregard what they want, your relationship is broken. And that's what happens with sin. It comes into our lives, and it breaks our relationship with God. And what happens is that we're filled with guilt and shame. So when we talk about this Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, it's referring to Jesus who comes, who dies on the cross as the perfect and complete sacrifice for our sins, so we can have forgiveness, which is really what we want. We want to be restored to our Heavenly Father. We want to be able to have that guilt and shame lifted from our hearts. When we receive that forgiveness and place our faith in Jesus Christ, that's what we have, a restored relationship and a, a heart that's at peace. We sang earlier, O Little Town of Bethlehem. In this well-known carol, we sing about the everlasting light of Jesus that shines in the darkness. This comes, again, this idea that John chapter 8, verse 12 says, Jesus said, what? I am the light of the world. And whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have eternal life. So if you've never done so, if you've never had the light of Jesus come into your life, if you've never experienced the forgiveness of Jesus, our encouragement is that you consider that today because that's what's God offering, this feeling of being forgiven and free. And for those of us who are walking with him, this is a great day to be restored to him. But I do want, for those of us who are following Jesus, what does it mean for us that, that Jesus was born in Bethlehem? So I want to go back to this whole idea of hometown, these home, the hometown remarks that I made. Um, because what's happening is, is that because Jesus was born in Bethlehem, there's a level of significance that we're able to receive and achieve. So go back to that Bethlehem. So was it a big town or a small town? I mean, what's, this, what's the song say? Like? What? A little town, right? So like, in fact, ironically, the words that were used back in Micah really talk about almost like a, a runt or a little brother. Okay, those of you, we, we didn't get into, we talked about hometown, but we didn't get into where you were at in the birth order in your family. Do we have any kind of uh, youngest among us? Yes, young. and You guys know how that feels, right? There's you know, older brothers and sisters, okay? And you're kind of the last one to do things, the last one to... So that's really the, the way that Bethlehem was referred to. In fact, it was interesting, in the Old Testament, they did a census as well back in the day, and in Joshua chapter 15 and Nehemiah chapter 11 they actually kept track of all the towns. And they used different sizes and different importance that those towns were had. And in both of those sections, the town of Bethlehem doesn't even get mentioned at all. So it's like, okay, the oldest brother, the next brother. It's like with David. It's like, hey, do you have any, I feel so last week, do you have any more kids? Like, uh, oh yeah, there's that uh, David. Yeah, we got him around here somewhere, right? So Bethlehem had the same kind of stigma, right? And when it got compared, so God intentionally chose a town that was so small It wasn't even noted in these lists. And that's how we can feel sometimes. We can feel very small and very insignificant like we don't really matter to anybody. And that's hard. So here's the irony. God puts puts Jesus in this small little town. People don't even notice what's going on because he wanted us to understand that Jesus gets us. He understands what it's like to be insignificant. He could have been born in Athens, you know, he could have been born in Jerusalem. But instead, God chose to put him in this tiny little town. Now, why? Why does God do that? Well, one of the reasons God wants to do that is He doesn't want us to confuse size or fame with significance. We need to realize that God uses sometimes what is seemingly unimportant and insignificant to make a lasting impact in the lives of our our lives or other people. So what I want to do is just kind of think about that in terms of we read in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2, verse 23, how Jesus' father Joseph went up and lived in the town of Nazareth. So not only did Jesus have the benefit of being born in a kind of tiny little town that people didn't care about, he also was raised in a town that also had not the best reputation. Okay? So we we read about that in Matthew chapter 2. Now, ironically, when Jesus begins his public ministry, the first thing he does is he asks people to start following him. So a couple of people start following him, okay? And then he actually calls this one man named Philip. And Philip goes over to his brother and says, hey, do you want to follow Jesus with me too? And Philip, and then he goes over to his brother Nathaniel. Nathaniel says in Luke chapter 4, verse 34, he says, you want me to follow who? Jesus? Jesus of Nazareth? So again, this whole concept of this Jesus was from Bethlehem. People didn't really care about that town very much. Then he was raised in Nazareth. That didn't people care about it much, very much. In fact, we even see it in John chapter 19. Pilate, Jesus is before Pilate, near the end of his life. And Pilate asks him a very interesting question in verse 9. He says, where do you come from? What town are you from? Jesus doesn't answer him. But you'll notice Pilate knew where he came from because in verse 19 at the end of that, Pilate actually put a notice and fastened it above the cross where Jesus died. Do you remember what it said? It said, Jesus died of Nazareth, king of the Jews. And then even Jesus himself, because remember how our hometowns kind of just kind of embed who we are? So if you remember, we did the book of Philippians, and Philippians was written by Paul, and Pastor Brian and many of us walked you through that book. Well, Paul, Brian had told the story of the encounter that Paul had with Jesus in Acts 22. And ironically, when Paul encounters Jesus, Jesus asks him, basically, Paul asks him, who is it? Who is it that, what, who's, who, who, who made me blind? Who knocked me off my horse? Jesus says to him, it is I, Jesus of Nazareth, who you are persecuting. So where he lived, where he was born, was part of who he was. It was imparted, basically part of that. So remember when Micah said about Bethlehem in prophecy that it was this small little thing? So, not, so it was translated insignificant. It was an insignificant town. So hey, I'm Jesus. I'm from an insignificant town. I grew up in an insignificant town. But what it is is that I come to bring significance to all of you. Ironically, the same word, this insignificant, that Micah used was actually used back in the book of Judges. One of the judges' name was Gideon. And he described, basically, in chapter 6, when God came and told him to do something amazing, he said, excuse me, Lord, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest and I am the least. So these were the same terms that Micah used to describe Bethlehem. So more and more we see this theme of insignificance. We mentioned it in Nathaniel, we mentioned it in Gideon, we mentioned it in even, Jesus himself kind of took that on. And the last part was, was really the worst, and that is in the last part of Jesus' ministry, people were skeptical of him. So he was doing some amazing things throughout his ministry and he decided to come back to his hometown. And when he was there, we see in Mark chapter six, when he returned, the people took offense to him and they basically disregarded him. They said, you're just from this lower socioeconomic family. We've known you since you were a little guy and there's no way that you can do anything important or significant um, in this town or anywhere. How do you think you felt? Growing up in this little town, sorry, being born in in Bethlehem, growing up in Nazareth, even going to try to help your people that in the town that you grew up and people just don't even want to accept you for who you are. It's hard. It's hard for us to even imagine that because here in America, in our day and age, we kind of like this. I mentioned kind of the small town kid made good, right? There's opportunities for you to kind of become something. But in Jesus' day, that wasn't the case. In Jesus' day, you were heavily defined by the family from which you came from and the place where you were born and the place where you grew up. That's how Jesus was perceived by the people of his time. As a result, Jesus felt angry about how they perceived him and likely felt quite insignificant about his place of birth and the place where he grew up. And we can feel angry and we can feel insignificant at times, especially at this time of year. Holidays, uh, there's very few people who are ambivalent about holidays. They're either a time they just really look forward to and then there's other of us who just... You either enjoy the holidays or you endure the holidays. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, okay? But um, many of you, I, I'm married to someone who loves the holidays. I mean, we, we start decorating. We do, you name like we're doing cookies, trees, all parties. Um, and I'm just really um, proud to be part of a family that honors the holiday in the way that it's designed. But there are times where um, I just want to endure the holiday. I just want it to be over. Um, not only because maybe at times I feel insignificant, but just... There's just so much intensity um, that goes around it in terms of the expectations, the feelings you have. Holidays are one of the few places where I think I can be around a whole bunch of people and feel completely lonely. Irony, I guess. Um, And so, uh, you know, the neat thing is I think Jesus felt that way. Um, He was in his hometown and he felt lonely. Um, It says that he withdrew to places by himself because he needed to just kind of reconnect with his father and and get some energy so as you come through these holidays i mentioned at the beginning our our hope and prayer is that you'd be encouraged to say that jesus gets you he understands you he knows what it feels like at times to just want it to be over not uh, misunderstood by his own family misunderstood by his hometown misunderstood by people but the neat thing is king david himself was also somebody who struggled with this he went through so many challenges in his life, made so many hard choices, and it's great that Jesus kind of in the line of David. Because David, I want to bring our attention to Psalm 17, and hopefully this is something you can read this week. Verses 6 through 8. So David was struggling, and he wrote these verses that I find very comforting. It says, I call on you, my God, for you will answer me. Turn your ear to me and hear my prayer. Show me the wonders of your great love, you who save me by your right hand, those who take refuge in you and their foes. And here's the little snippet. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. And that's how David was able to ask God to help him, to be able to see how he was significant, how he did matter. And the reason why he mattered was because he was connected with the one who created him. He was connected with God the Father. We, as a result of the true son of David, Jesus, have become also the apple of God's eyes. We are the children of God adopted and cherished in Jesus Christ. God has his eye on us. May it humble and strengthen us. So what I want to do is I just want to remind us who are followers of Jesus how Jesus brings significance and he restores us to God and produces in us a sense of belonging to God's family. during this Christmas season I hope that you feel that not only as you see all these things going around you but you can feel that you're part of this family of faith. That this family of faith is your extended family who doesn't look at where you're from and where you grew up and the things that you've said and done that miss the mark but that we love you unconditionally. We care for you. That you matter here. Um, So what's neat is God in his you know not only did he use the town of Bethlehem which was insignificant, and the town of Nazareth was insignificant, but he uses us even though sometimes we feel insignificant. So I want to encourage you, the Apostle Paul felt this way, and we, he wrote about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 27 through 30. He says, But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things, and again, this weak is the same kind of term Micah used about kind of the little weak little brother of the world, to shame the strong. God chose the lowly, again, the same concept of kind of insignificant things of the world, and the despised things, the things that are not, to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It's because of him that you are in Christ Jesus. So our significance comes from a relationship with God that Jesus created for us. And it reminds me back to the song again that we sang, this old little town of Bethlehem. In there, it says that Jesus shines in the darkness. Again, we saw that where he says he's the light of the world. We also sang in the carol that the hopes and fears of all the years are met in him tonight. And that's my prayer that comes from Matthew 12, 21, where Jesus is described as the one whose name the nations will put their hope. And so Phyllis talked about hope last week. Brian talked about hope two weeks ago. We even have the name of our church as Hope Community Church, as Phyllis mentioned, by no... By, by, by no coincidence. So as we begin this Christmas season, it can kind of, in a countdown mode, right? We're, we're headed into the T-minus mode, getting to Christmas. We're going to be running into a lot of nativity sets, a lot of different Christmas things that are up here. I want us to be reminded of the town where Jesus was born, as you look at the nativity set. Be reminded of the place that God chose to first enter our world, and where the Word, word became flesh. We started talking today about hometowns and how we were defined by where we were born and where we live. But that's really not how God designed everything. So I wanna think for a second about when you think, hold off the next slide, Rob, one second. So when we talk about our area here in Philadelphia, um, what are some things that you use to describe that are unique from Philadelphia? Let's start with food. Pork roll, pretzels, tasty cake, scrapple, that's right, cheesesteaks, right? (laughs) that's <laughs> the water. And so many of us have had the opportunity to travel outside of this area. We may go down on, on vacation or even some of us may have lived outside the area or maybe some of us aren't from this area and we're from a different area and we now live here. The reality is, is that where we begin so Phyllis and I had the opportunity to live overseas for about, about six, seven years and there was things that we brought with us to make our home away from this area feel like home. Right? So we put some posters on the wall, we bought some things, we used to have pepperoni brought to us, whatever it was. Um, why do we do those things? Why do we, why do we get tasty cakes shipped to us? Why do we want soft pretzels that taste like soft pretzels? You know? Because we want to create this hometown experience where we are now living. So if we grew up in this area and later moved away, we might choose to decorate our home, I mentioned we may get these tasty cakes. So they are things that, because when we have them around, they trigger happy memories for us and at times make us feel good. Right? It's that hometown feel. So as you decorate your home for the holidays, what I want to do is think about the things that are really from the hometown where we're eventually going to go, that Phil's talked about last week. We, Jesus came down from earth, from heaven, to prepare a place for us. He came to live and die for us, and now he's replacing a place where we're going to be our new hometown. So Christmas isn't just a time where we go and remember that Jesus came from Bethlehem and that he died for us on the cross, but that we remember that he is preparing a place that's going to be our new hometown. So the more that we can keep things in mind about the future, what awaits us in heaven, really help us as we not just endure the holidays but enjoy it. And that's what they say. There's an expression that says home is what? Where the heart is. And for many people, hometowns create fond memories and play an important role in their hearts. So my heart's prayer today is that our eternal home will be the one that we think about, the one that Jesus secured for us and that he's waiting to have, have us join us. May our longing for heaven be an important integral part of who we are now and who we're going to become in the future. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for your plans. Um, we would have never thought to have your son, come down and be born in a small little town called Bethlehem. We thank you also for how he lived there and the things that he experienced and how he came and died for us and restored us back to you. So Lord, we pray that we would just want to live for you because you died for us. But Lord, we also want to pray that you'll help us to look forward to the eternal home that you're preparing for us now and help us to be able to long for that home the same way we long for our own. In your name, amen.